Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Our ninth episode of the Strike Zone podcast goes in-depth on the National League wildcard race. Welcome back, the New York Mets. They're back in the race somehow, but I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why I don't think they can continue to sustain the momentum that they've gained over the past couple of weeks. And I'm also going to give you a team in the National League wildcard that people are for some reason forgetting, but is still right in the thick of the race for a postseason spot come October. This is episode nine. It's 104.5 The Zone. Let's do it. This is the Strike Zone Podcast. Hit well out towards right field. This one climbing at altitude. This one is gone. With news and notes from around Major League Baseball. Baez drives one in the air down the line and left. It's got a chance. Gone. Rounding the bases with the hottest topics from all 30 teams. Swung on, drilled to deep right. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a three-run home run for the Santino. And here's your host, Will Bowling. Welcome in, everybody. It's episode number nine. Can't believe it. Already been eight editions. This the ninth one. We're so excited you joined us today. Wherever you're finding this zone podcasts here on our 104.5 The Zone digital network. As always, my name is Will Bowling. I'm going to take you around what I believe are the biggest conversations and talking points right now in Major League Baseball. We do this every Thursday or Friday here on 104.5 The Zone. And if you're new to this program, we want you to also get involved a little bit. You can find me on Twitter at Will underscore Bowling. That's bowling spelled not like the sport. B-O-L-I-N-G. This is just a, a conversation on what's going on in the game right now. I've spent some time in minor league baseball, spent a lot of time watching the game of baseball here as a Braves fan for a long time in the city of Nashville. And when I came back here to the zone after interning here a couple of years ago, this was one of the first projects I wanted to start. Just starting a conversation, covering some baseball and talking ball here for every big weekend series here on the zone. So join the conversation, send me a tweet, give me a topic that you'd like to hear discussed and we'll get to it. But today we're going to dive deep into the National League, which I think is just really, really interesting right now. The AL has got all of the great teams, the Yankees, the Astros, and all the terrible teams. The Tigers and the Orioles are are horrible. Whereas in the National League, there are a lot of good, solid teams. Of course, the Dodgers being the, the pace setters in Major League Baseball. But you look at a team like the Atlanta Braves, like the Chicago Cubs, who are solid but flawed. Heck, sometimes those are the teams that win titles. And then you look at teams like the San Francisco Giants, the Cincinnati Reds, and the New York Mets. And we'll center a lot of today's show around the New York Mets and the resurgence that they have created in the past month to only be a game or two out right now in the NL wildcard. 
I mean, just unbelievable stuff. Can they sustain it? I don't think they can. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why in our heart of the order topic. But we'll start as we always do with our first couple of innings here today. This is our opener discussion on episode nine. Season is, well, kind of in another phase now. Trade deadline is behind us. The guys you've got at this point are the guys you've got. And there are going to be some interesting injury concerns for a couple of teams, starting with the Washington Nationals. Max Scherzer, reported by MLB.com today, is expected to miss at least one more start for the Nats, according to manager Dave Martinez. And he'll almost certainly spend more time on the injured list with a sprained rhomboid muscle in his upper back said that Scherzer was status quo prior to Wednesday's series finale at Orioles Park against or Oracle Park rather against San Francisco and that he might attempt to play catch Scherzer did not appear to play catch prior to Wednesday's game according to a report by MLB.com nor did he pick up a ball on Tuesday Anthony Rendon meanwhile exited in the sixth inning of Wednesday afternoon's 4-1 victory over the Giants for precautionary reasons, with a sore toe after getting hit by a pitch in the right foot during the fourth inning. I think there are a couple of injury concerns in the NL right now that are going to make a major difference. Max Scherzer is the the primary one. Granted, he's going to be back soon, according to Dave Martinez, but their series against the Atlanta Braves last week was completely changed by the fact that Atlanta didn't have to see Max Scherzer. He didn't have to deal with that that arm. The, the Braves were able to match up a lot better with the arms that Washington trotted out there. Rendon, he's one of the most underrated players in baseball. And we're finally getting out of the point where he's so underrated that he's not really underrated anymore. But I, even as a Braves fan, I certainly want to see both of them healthy because that's going to be a heck of a race, not only in the NL wild card, but also in the NL East. Who's moving and who's not moving? A little bit of a stock report. New York Mets and New York Yankees. Goodness, I don't know what they're feeding these guys up in the Big Apple, but those teams are raking. Both of them winning nine of their last ten. Yankees have given themselves a 10-game cushion over the Tampa Bay Rays and a 16-game lead over the Boston Red Sox. I mean, it's incredible what they've been able to do in such a short amount of time. Big series this weekend. Talk about stocks rising and falling. The Indians and Twins could be going in different directions. The Indians have made up two games this week on Minnesota after Atlanta took a series from Target Field. Those two teams only separated by two games. They'll play four at Target Field starting tonight. Rising stock, I don't think anybody is rising more than the Houston Astros. They've unsurprisingly won six straight. And 9 out of 10, there are four teams right now that have won 9 out of 10, since making some big moves. And that includes the fact that Zach Grinke got shelled in his first start at home with the team. Didn't matter, he still got the win. In fact, Grinke was quoted after the game, and I love this, after an 11-6 win over the Rockies, that it was kind of boring. What? (laughs) Yeah, he said it's kind of boring. After the 11-6 win, he's talking about the four home runs that gave him extra time in the dugout in one inning. said, yeah, just trying to stay loose, stay focused, we're not having anything to do. 
Well, Zach, there's a lot of guys that would trade with you. <laughs> the Astros scored at least one run against Rockies pitchers in the second through seventh innings. I'll win you a lot of games. Undoubtedly winning the time of possession battle, writes MLB.com, if operated on a clock. Houston spent at least five batters, sent at least five batters to the plate in three different innings while Grinky was in the game and five times total during the game. Six Astros hitters they had a plate appearance in the fifth and sixth innings, which included three mound visits and two pitching changes by Colorado. I mean, crazy numbers. Grinky said it was a lot like the time he was in Milwaukee. Said it reminds him when he was back there, and it seemed like they scored 10 runs a game. That's what he told Martin Maldonado, the new catcher for Houston. Said it's a good offense, and it's fun to pitch with that going on. Well, Zach, I'm sorry you're bored, but you're right. That's, I think a lot of guys would, would, would trade spots with you. So that's our roundup on a couple of topics here off the top, and now we're going to get into the meat of today's episode. The National League wild card is a lot more interesting. What has to do with that team in Queens? Let's get into the heart of the order. Wasn't a huge fan of the trade for Marcus Stroman, but all of a sudden the New York Mets look like a different team. It's crazy. To me, the Stroman deal kept the Mets from making other moves that would have actually helped them in the long run. For right now, Brady Von Wegnan of the New York Metropolitans looks like a genius, right? You've got Stroman, Wheeler, Cindergaard, and DeGrom. That's four or five. That's, that's pretty darn good. But as I said on last week's show, the Marcus Stroman trade stacked the market against the Mets. Because they got such a good deal in giving up what they gave up to get Stroman that they couldn't move any of the other pieces that they wanted to move, like a Cindergaard, like a a Wheeler, who I know is a candidate. And instead, they just hold on to Stroman and decide to win now. First of all, let, let, let's back up and look a little bit more deeply into this run. Partly started because of a puppy which is the content that we all deserve. And there's an excellent piece by Rustin Dodd of The Athletic this past week that chronicles the major moves made by the Mets after McNeil met Willow. Willow, his new lab mix puppy. This is just such a cool story. McNeil and his wife Tatiana had already had Willow for a few days before she was introduced to the media a couple of days ago. But McNeil had laid eyes upon her 11 days ago when Officials and rescue dogs from this shelter that had visited City Field to raise awareness had, had come by. So before the game, he, he held Willow. And unsurprisingly, after that, he hit a home run against the Pittsburgh Pirates in a 6-3 win. And it's funny, the press conference afterwards, he says, I knew when I was rounding second that I knew we were going to have to just get this puppy. McNeil said he, he had a more persuasive argument, said, quote, we need this dog. <laughs> Only twice before in franchise history, besides when, when Willow has been here, have the Mets been 11 games under 500 and returned above the 500 mark. And, and that's the kind of summer it's been for New York. It's been weird. Willow, writes Rustin Dodd, 
believed to be part collie, shepherd, and husky, which is important details, can take solace in one thing. Her dad entered Tuesday with a 1.166 OPS. That's really good since she showed up at City Field. So the Mets need to keep Willow around is what I'm hearing. And on the off chance they make the postseason, Willow needs um, a kennel in the dugout or, or maybe a, a, some kind of crate she can she can stay in. Because she, since she's been there, the Mets are on fire. And sometimes, uh, according to McNeil, despite the fact that she's not quite house trained because he's a little busy playing baseball every day, she's she's getting the hang of her new transition, and so are the Mets. They've transitioned into a wild card contender. And they're a dangerous team to match up with, in my opinion, in the wild card game. Could you imagine a Max Scherzer? Jacob DeGrom, winner gets the Dodgers wildcard extravaganza. It would be unbelievable. In its last four series, New York has taken advantage, though, of, of playing some really bad teams. And this is where I start to ask some questions of how good are the Mets really? They've won 9 out of 10. They beat up on the Marlins to win six in a row. And now at 59 wins, 56 losses, they're eight and a half games back of first place Atlanta. Right now in the NL East. And they're only two and a half games back of the Washington Nationals, who are first right now in the wild card. So, why is that? Well, it's because they've taken advantage of playing really bad teams at a really good time. They've gone 10-2 and two in the past four series against the Padres, Pirates, White Sox. That was before the, their series against the Marlins. So 14-2 and two against the Padres, Pirates, White Sox, and Marlins. San Diego, Pittsburgh, and Chicago, the White Sox, and this is without Miami being in the picture, are a combined 16-50 and 50 since the All-Star break. 10 of New York's 11 series that will come against teams currently at 500 or better are coming up next. So let me rephrase that. 10 of New York's series after that, what I meant to say, will come against teams that are 500 or better right now. And so far this year, the Mets have had a, a tough time against some of those teams in getting good results. The Mets against 500 teams among everyone right now in the wildcard race. They have the biggest difference, the most dramatic split when it comes to success against winning teams as opposed to losing teams. Their win percentage against teams under 500 is phenomenal. 667, which is better than Washington, Philadelphia, Chicago, Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, Giants, and Diamondbacks. But their record against winning teams is the worst out of that group. A 413 winning percentage. So, and even two-thirds of the Mets games, including the four-game sweep over Miami, will be against teams 500 or better the rest of the way. Of the other wildcard contenders in the National League, only the Giants have a tougher road for the rest of the season. So let's pump the brakes a little bit on Mets mania. There is a lot of baseball left, and the Mets are beating up on really bad teams. It's easy to think that the current status of your group is the eternal truth 
about your team in Major League Baseball. And I get it. Right? I think it goes the other way. Even when your team is bad, as bad as the Mets have been, right? Their status, their identity in May couldn't be more different than what it is right now. And I don't know why, but it's so easy to forget that, yes, this is a 162-game season. You know, things change a lot. Guys get hot. Hitters go very cold. You could buy a puppy, and then things change. Right? So uh, equally as when back in May, the Mets' identity was not set in stone, it's certainly not now either. And, and I get that the addition of Stroman helps the optimism there in Queens. I understand that. But that's not completely equivalent to the run that they've done because Stroman has not been a part of this team for very long. Only made a couple starts. Tim Britton of The Athletic writes that the good news for the Mets, though, is this, that they'll be playing most of these games at home. And you look again at home versus away splits, the Mets have a drastic difference between their home splits and their road splits. In City Field, the Mets are 12 games above 500. 32 and 20. Only the Cubs out of contending teams right now have a more drastic change. The Cubs are also 41 and 19, 12 game difference at home. 12 games above 500. Mets on the road are abysmal. 27 and 36. The Mets are 27 and 24 in their division. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic also writes that once the Mets acquired Stroman, they'd invested too much in 2019 to consider sacrificing the rest of the season unless a team overwhelmed them with assets. So it's kind of like they they put one foot in, or at least attempted to put one foot in, to the Stroman sweepstakes and see what kind of bounced back. And then once they had, it was, oh, crap. Uh, we've got to, like... We've, we've got to go all in now. Not all in, but we can't just sell. Can't do both at the same time. The worst place to be in baseball is limbo. Stroman's 28, under team control for only one additional season. A significant portion of his value was his availability for two pennant races, Rosenthal writes, which includes this year. And that's why it was a surprise that the Mets traded for him in the first place, according to Rosenthal. At the time of the deal, the Mets were 50-55 and 55 and six games back in the National League. Since that deal, they're 9-1, and one, and they trail six teams. Well, they did then. Now they're victorious in 15 of their last 20 games. So you look at the precedent of around the league, and this is where I want to get into the bigger discussion of what other wildcard teams are doing. For one-plus years of Trevor Bauer, the Indians got Yasiel Puig, Frenmil Reyes, Logan Allen. The Mets could not have surpassed that for two-plus years of Syndergaard. Could they? That's what Rosenthal asks. Couldn't they have addressed multiple needs for the present and the future? In order to not only address their rotation, which is great, don't get me wrong, but they've got needs in the bullpen. Edwin Diaz has not been the closer they traded for. So I think they made a better purchase than the Cincinnati Reds by not giving up Major League talent. I think let's start there. 
The Reds gave up an awful lot by giving up Yasiel Puig, who, yeah, wasn't maybe going to resign, but if you want to win now, win now with him. Also gave up Taylor Trammell, one of their top prospects. Well, the Stroman deal is weird to me. He's fourth in the majors in ground ball percentage. At the time of the trade, the Mets had converted only 71% of grounders into outs. The worst rate in baseball. You go and get one of the best ground ball pitchers, but you don't have an infield that can field ground balls. So I don't think this is sustainable. And I don't think we're talking enough about the Milwaukee Brewers who have just won out one three in a row. The Brewers are another team in the hunt who just took advantage of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Brewers got two more home runs from Rookie of the Month, Keston Hura. I saw that guy hands-on last year. I saw him up in Tennessee when he was a member of the Biloxi Shuckers. Great minor league baseball name, by the way. He's the real deal. And they've got a lot of talent like that. That can play in a lot of spots, can play multiple positions. Their issue is, as with many teams, their rotation and their bullpen. But Josh Hader is more of a game changer for me than anyone else not named Jacob DeGrom on the New York Mets. And this is the time of year where the best players make the biggest impacts. And Milwaukee's got the best player. DeGrom, you could debate it, but Milwaukee's got the best player out of those two teams, in my opinion. So I... I want to circle two weekends for you. August 19th through 21st, the Brewers visit St. Louis to face off with the Cardinals. And August 26th and 27th, St. Louis comes to Milwaukee. The Brewers are trying to make the playoffs two years in a row for the second time in franchise history. Got to go back to 1981 and 82 to find the last time they did that. The Cardinals are trying to avoid missing the playoffs for the fourth straight season, and that hasn't happened since an eight-year drought from 1988 to 1995. They were both managed by Hall of Famers at that time, Whitey Herzog and Joe Torre. The Cardinals have got to find a way to get Christian Yelich out. His last 16 games against St. Louis, he's hitting 358 with 10 homers and 28 RBIs. They'll also meet again in mid-September. Right now, for me, injury concerns with the Milwaukee Brewers. We talked about that off the top, about how injuries are going to make a big difference. Brandon Woodruff for the Milwaukee Brewers. His status coming off the injured list and playing a role for the Brewers, that could decide the NL wildcard. Could decide the NL Central. The Brewers have the ace up their sleeve in Josh Hader in the late innings. Not a lot of NL teams can can relate to that. Not even the Dodgers with how bad Kenley Jansen's been at times this year. But Brandon Woodruff, if he comes back from a left oblique strain, I think the Brewers will join the Washington Nationals as the second NL wildcard team. Because Christian Yelich and Josh Hader are the two biggest game-changing players in that race of wildcard teams. Not Bryce Harper, not Jacob DeGrom, who's only going to pitch once every five days. It's not anybody else in the Mets. Pete Alonso is up there, but he's not Yelich good yet. I say yet. He might end up being. 
The Milwaukee Brewers, to me, are the NL's second wildcard team. Woodruff, two weeks ago, went on the injured list with a left oblique strain and was told he would miss likely six weeks. Well, later this month, Cardinals and Brewers are going to have a really big series. If he's back by the mid-September series even against the St. Louis Cardinals, look out. As the Cardinals start to falter, the Brewers are now winners of three in a row, despite their sweep loss at the hands of the Chicago Cubs and Wrigley last week. I think Milwaukee is still the team to beat in the NL wildcard. Sorry, Mets fans. It's got to come to an end soon. All good things have got to come to an end. I think it's about to very soon for the New York Metropolitans. We'll see. But for right now, that's my diagnosis. Okay. Me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some Into our seventh inning stretch and closer topic today. I've got an issue with Major League Ballparks. I do. And I, I, it's specifically a gripe with SunTrust Park. Um, I like SunTrust Park a lot. I think it's very fan-friendly. But something's going on there that's not fan-friendly. And I ran into this a couple of weeks ago, visiting down in SunTrust Park, watching was Braves and Marlins about a month ago now. Why do we not keep fans from entering the concourse while the ball is in play, while there's an at-bat? This is, this is ridiculous to me. We're going to have all these safety procedures of let's put nets up down all the way almost to the foul line. And I think that's fantastic, by the way. I think that's coming in baseball in a lot of ways. Why can people walk to their seat with their hot dogs, with their peanuts, with their kids, and and just walk in front of you while an at-bat's going on? Because, hey, it's a safety concern. The ball's in play, and that hot dog might be on the floor soon if you're not looking out. And you're blocking at-bats for people behind you. And and in baseball, if you're in front of somebody for a split second, you could miss a 450-foot bomb, right? I don't – it doesn't make sense. If you're from the Nashville area, you know that this is a thing in hockey. And if I can't go to my seat in the 300 level in Bridgestone Arena during a Preds game, you should not be able to go to your seat in the 100 level of a baseball game. Wait at least until the at-bat is over. I'd like for you to wait until the inning's over, the half inning. Why is this so hard for people to understand? I don't don't get it. Especially when you're sitting at the top of a section on the aisle like my group was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, my gosh. I couldn't see half the pitches. And in a sport that is so slow-moving and, and methodical and relaxing, you miss one frame of the, the, the pitch being thrown, you might miss half the scoring in a game if somebody's walking to their seat in your way. I don't, this is just, it's not difficult to fix. It needs to be fixed by Major League Baseball. Let's, let, let's mandate this together. Let, let's start this on this show. My gosh. Awful. Awful. Well, I hope this show wasn't awful. And this is a show that's never going to stand in front of you as you're watching somebody hit a bomb 
This show's not going to throw at you if you pimp a home run. This show is going to bring it every single week, and I hope we've done that for you this week here on the Strike Zone Podcast. As always, my disclaimer here at the end of our show, find us wherever you get Zone Podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts. That's Spotify. That's Google Play. That's Stitcher. That's anywhere you find 104.5 The Zone. We are there every single Thursday and Friday. And as the postseason starts to get closer, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for us. Because you're going to need this conversation. You're going to cling to this conversation here in the Nashville market. When postseason starts to get better and, and things start to ramp up a little bit, keep us bookmarked in your phones, on your devices, and we'll be sure to bring it for you every single week. More guests coming soon, more conversations. Send us a tweet. I'm at Will underscore Bowling, B-O-L-I-N-G, as I mentioned off the top. Let us know what you want to hear, and we're going to talk about it for you here on the Strike Zone. That's going to do it for Episode 9. We'll see you next week here on 104.5 The Zone.